called. Jesus said, what? What, did, what is he saying? Have you ever read the Bible, read a verse, read, read a passage that something Jesus said or did or an action, you're like, I'm confused. I do it a lot. Just kidding. Yeah, a lot. Let's not lie today. Um, I do it a lot, and then I'm like, I'm a pastor. I can't ask this question, so I go read commentaries. Then I get even more confused, so I go into prayer. Then I get more confused, and then I call Gus, and then I'm not confused anymore. And uh, uh, that's what this is about. I want to go into these passages, maybe where you read them, and you're like, what is Jesus saying here? Pastor will preach on it sometime. Moving on. Um, that's what I want to talk about. Jesus said what? Now, today I got to put a little caveat on this. It's not, Jesus says a lot of stuff in this passage, but there's one verse I want to look at. And you know what? I am such a biblical scholar. I'm not even going to open my Bibles. You can if you want. John chapter 11, verse 35. You'll see why I'm so biblically scholarly knowledgeable here in a second. I want to talk about this verse. This is our verse of the day, if you will. John chapter 11, Verse 35, I heard it already. I hear some better scholars in the room than me. Then Jesus wept. Can you believe the Amplified Version just wrote Jesus wept, but I don't know what we're doing in the NLT with then Jesus wept. I'm like, come on, guys. This is like my Bible camp verse of like easily memorized, you know? Like I got John 11:35 memorized, and they're like, oh, that's such an obscure verse. I'm like, yeah, real obscure. Jesus wept. I don't know if God's calling me to be a pastor. No. Anyways, um, I never said that at Bible camp. All right. Jesus wept. What's that got to do with anything? Let's pray. God, today, I just want to give this moment to you. Lord, you are doing something tremendously amazing. God, I, I give it all. I give it all to you, Lord, every doubt every insecurity i have lord we just give it all to you and just say fill us today do something new in us today that you have that only you can do god we surrender ourselves lord and i may forever and always the cry of my heart be this may my words be few and, and yours be many amen and amen when i was uh about seventh grade eighth grade uh well, fifth, sixth grade, technically, my parents bought this five-acre farm down in Afton. And there was all these dead trees on it. And so when I was a kid, we, my grandfather would come over with the chainsaw a lot of times, and we would cut these trees down and make burn piles. Well, he would sometimes cut the logs too big, and so it would take two or three of us to, to stack the wood up, if you will. And I remember there was this one piece. Now, I remember, I'm seventh, eighth grade, so... Uh, yeah, I'm not big by any means. Uh, I wasn't as yoked as I am now, so that tells you how skinny I was. Um, I was a twig. I had really long arms, really long legs, and I was like, God, am I ever going to grow into my body? But long story short, I, I, I was trying to help. I loved being outside. I loved working with my grandfather and my mom, and so we were out there cutting this tree down, and he cut this, this pretty long piece of wood. And so there, I remember mom was over on, on my left side and grandpa was on the right side of the log. And I was in the middle trying to pick this thing up. Yeah. And uh, I picked this thing up and they're on the other side. And we're like, okay, on three, we're going to throw it on the pile. I said, okay. I'm like, one, two, three. And my hand gets caught and down comes the log on a stump. 
with my finger in between. Quickly pull it out, and I'm like, so I'm thinking to myself, big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. I'm just not looking at it. I'm doing one of these tucking the arm behind my back, and I'm just picking up other sticks, just not thinking about my finger, which is screaming in pain. And I'm just kind of doing one of these things. I'm just acting normal so nobody notices, which, you know me, I can't act normal 90% of the time, so I was trying to figure out how to even. And I'm, I'm just trying to ignore the pain. And it didn't work, because I'm just, eventually I'm over here doing the handshake thing, picking up twigs and throwing them on. And my grandfather goes, let me see your hand. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm fine. Yeah. And he looks at it, and by the time a few moments had passed, the blood had filled up underneath the fingernail, and the pressure was just pushing the nail up, and my finger was swelling. It was disgusting. My mom felt terrible because she smashed my finger. It was all her fault. Just kidding, Mom. I know you listen. Anyways, um, she felt terrible. Grandpa felt terrible, and my grandmother took me to the house, and I'm like, I'm not looking at this finger by the time I got to the house, there was tears streaming down my face. I was in so much pain just from the swelling and the blood and the feeling of it. A couple weeks later, I would have to take a needle nose pliers and rip my nail off. I know some of you guys don't like this story. Sorry. Um, and I cried again at that moment, and the nail grew back. You can't even tell. I'm pretty sure it's my right ring finger. I don't even remember. I, two or three th fingernails have fallen off at this point in my life. So uh, um, that was the first time I ever lost a fingernail. The second time I smushed it on a seat, I won't tell you that story. That was my own fault. But I remember, like, I, I didn't want to cry. I was like, no, big boys don't cry. You're going to work hard, and you're going for supper, and the fire's burned out. You look at your finger. Until that moment, don't worry about it. It's, it's really like what we're trained as young boys, right? No, no young boy at baseball practice was looked at after catching a line drive to the chest like it's okay son you can cry all the tears no one will laugh at you no your coach comes over and goes suck it up bud big boys don't cry and you get up and you shake yourself off out there in right field like i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry that's what we're told don't cry don't cry don't cry and i mean i think if you know me a little bit you know i'm a crier um I gave up on not crying a long time ago uh, to the, the dismay of some people. They were like, why are you crying? I'm like, it's just so emotional. It's so perfect. And they're like, it's not that important. I'm like, it's just so pretty. Look at the tractor. And they're like, Zach, stop. I'm like, I can't. Anyways, so I'm a crier. I think we all know that. And I can tell you that I have cried probably every possible type of cry there is. I've, I've ugly cried. I've, uh, I've done the one tear. I do that on my wedding day so she didn't turn around. I'm kidding. Um, I happy cried. I've sad cried. I've sobbing cried. You know, the one where, like, the snot's coming down and, like, your whole face is wet. And you're like, <laughs> uh, um, I've had the pain cry or the angry cry where you're just so mad. Why are you crying? I don't know. We've all, like, had these types of cries. Maybe, in, in, I mean, if you're a manlier man than me, which is probably likely, you're going to say, I've never cried only twice in my life. That's when the Packers won the Super Bowl, and whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, but as I read this passage, I think about, I'm like, Jesus, what type of crying are we talking about here? 
Mary and Martha have just lost their brother. So obviously they are probably sobbing. They're four days after it was an unexpected death. They are just full-on tears mode. And, and so as the crowd is mourning with them, probably some people are crying as well. And, and Jesus wept. That's all we get. We don't get Jesus angry cried, Jesus sad cried. We don't understand more of his emotions. We just get Jesus wept. We don't get that many times in Scripture, nor do we get that in one verse all by itself. So there has to be a reason. There, there has to be something going on inside of Jesus to really understand his weeping. Now, you might sit there and say, Zach, what if it was just Jesus crying? Can Jesus not cry? Yeah, sure, but why did somebody smash his finger? What's going on here? So I want to look at the beginning of this passage. I'm going to go all the way to um, verse 3 and 4, and we're going to kind of uh, chunk this up because it could be 44 verses if I just want to preach verse by verse. And uh, you guys know I don't preach that very well. So I just want to start with verse 3 and 4, and we're going to chunk this out and kind of talk about it. So, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So in these times, they couldn't just send him a text real quick, shoot him a call, email him, whatever, carrier pigeon him. Somebody would have to go to where Jesus was at, say, hey, yo, Jesus, Lazarus, not doing good, buddy. You maybe need to go see him. And his response would have been sent back to Mary and Martha. So Mary and Martha know that Jesus' opinion of Lazarus' sickness is, it's not imminent. It's not deadly. He'll be fine. So here Mary and Martha are, with word back from Jesus, it will not end in death. Well, good. Let's, you know, keep the IV drip going, keep him nice and elevated, wrapped up warm and tight. He'll be good. Keep feeding him some of that chicken noodle soup, and no problems. He stayed away. Jesus knew the ending of this. It wasn't going to be death. He knew the ending. He knew how to play out, but most importantly, he spoke to the ending. It would not end in death. And he knew God's power because he is the Son of God, fully God, fully man, here on earth. And he chose to stay away. Not because an angry mob had just chased him out of the town that he was being called to, but because he stayed away. So as we go on into verse 11 and 14, we actually find out that Lazarus has died. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and wake him up. This is verse 11. This is Jesus saying this. And then verse 12, the disciple says, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon be, be better. I mean, you said it's not going to end in death, so why worry? Verse 13, they, brought, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So verse 14, what does he have to say? So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. A few days had gone by since he sent a message back to Mary and Martha. So imagine some of the disciples' confusion, like, uh, real, real quick, Master, uh, you know, a couple days ago, you said it wasn't going to end in death. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure death is the end, God. What's going on here? I'm confused. He's dead? You know he's dead? Who told you? Again, alluding to, to something more is going on here. They chose to listen to God and hear what they wanted to hear. Verse 20 and 23 says this. We go on in the story. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Mary stayed put. Mary stayed with all of her friends who were grieving. Martha, though, she's learned from this little house cleaning fiasco she probably had with Jesus earlier. She's like, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Jesus is coming. So I'm, I'm going to go catch up to Jesus. And Mary's like, whatever, you do what you want to do. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. What a great way to meet your friend, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, look, there's Jesus. What you doing, boy? You missed it. Thanks for coming now. You going to officiate the funeral now? Been dead four days. Verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha's still telling Jesus, hey, if you were here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But, you know, you're the son of God, so whatever you get, God will give you. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, it'll be given to you. And Jesus goes on and says this, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, I love Martha here, because I think, as much as we want to say, oh, man, if Jesus told me that, I'd be like praying in the tongues, praying in spirit, like over the dead body, over the grave, and watch it work, right? Oh, he's going to rise again? Oh, well, sweet. Let's go to the tomb now, Jesus. But Martha gives the reaction I think most of us would give. She goes on and says, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises at the last day. Martha's like, you're talking about the resurrection, Jesus. I got it figured out. I know. Amen, Jesus. Martha, I think at this point, would be the, the nice lady that sits in church and amens the pastor and knows all the Christian things to say. Preach it, brother. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Martha was giving the Christian response. She knew all the right answers. She knew all the right things to say. The model Christian attitude, we think. I know what I'm supposed to say. I know what's going to happen, so here we go. Here's the answer. Verse 24 comes around. I read that, sorry. Verse 32, Mary decides, or Martha heads back to the house. and says, Jesus is on his way. You should go see him. So Mary gets up and leaves the house. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, now all of her friends had followed Mary at this point. The friends stayed in the house with Mary. Now Mary gets up and goes, and they think they're going to, she's going to Lazarus' tomb. They're like, we're going to follow Mary. But she goes to Jesus instead. And so here, Mary is leading this horde of people at Jesus. And she gets to Jesus. Mary arrived, saw Jesus. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled Mary says what if, if only Jesus if only you would have been here you could have saved him four days ago I mean the journey to get there didn't take even that long Lazarus had been dead four days 
when Jesus shows up. And Mary is physically, visibly frustrated at Jesus. Both sisters come at Jesus not with no greeting, not with any formal, hey, how's it going? How's the walk? You need to rest your feet for a bit. Let me massage them. Let me wash them, whatever. Hey, if, if only. You could have saved Lazarus. You, you should have been here. They come at him right away, angry and upset. And here this is, this whole crowd is with Mary. And Mary's crying and they're crying and Jesus gets angry. So in verse 34, where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Everyone was with him. And they said, all right, let's go see Lazarus. And Jesus wept. Crowd of people around him. Mary's right there in front of him, crying, hurt, broken, visibly frustrated at Jesus because my brother is dead and you are our friend. You are supposed to be here and take care of this. Heal Lazarus. You even said it wouldn't end in death and here it's ended, it's four days. What's going to happen? Jesus wept. As he cries, the crowd looks over and, and they give their opinion. The people who were standing nearby see how much he loved him, but others says this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he be kept Lazarus from dying? Not only did Mary and Martha have trouble with Jesus not healing Lazarus, but the crowd started to question Jesus question his power, question what he could do, question his authority, question really what is this man doing here? Is he not only here to heal people? He, he messed up his one job that he does really well. Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across an entrance. Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus says. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he had been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Martha's change of attitude, huh? She goes from the super Christian attitude to the worldly attitude of, what are we thinking, Jesus? You want to smell this? It's terrible. And according to their belief, the soul had already left the body, so there was no coming back from this. He was long dead and gone. Nothing's going to raise him back now. She still couldn't think that Jesus was going to do a miracle. There was no faith that Jesus was going to pull something out of his hat. No faith that Jesus could have said what he was about to say and what was going to happen was about to happen. What's he say? He says, Lazarus, come out of there. Can you imagine standing in the crowd, Mary and Martha, just watching a hole in a cave, waiting to hear anything? The noises, the disbelief, the, the incredible thing that happens next is a, a, uh, a wrapped body walks out of the tomb and Jesus says, unwrap him. There was no smell. He was back alive. Good as new. I love in verse 40, and 40 through 44, Jesus says this prayer out loud. It's incredible and it's really indicative of 
what was really going through Jesus at this time. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that you'd see the glory of God if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up from heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say it out loud for the sake of all these people standing around here who can't piece together who I am. That's really what he's saying there. So that they will believe you sent me. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet both bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped with a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I say this out loud so that these people know the power that you gave me and that you sent me. So these people understand. But, but Jesus still wept, right? Jesus knew the ending of the story. He predicted it. Verse 4, this will not end in death. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? I would like to give you two thoughts here that are actually the same thought if you want to sit with me long enough to hear this out. We know Jesus, was when he came to this earth, he was fully man and fully God. So look at it this way. Jesus, fully man, comes on the scene. Jesus cried because he understood their pain. How many times? I've, I've never lost a parent, a child, a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent. I don't understand the pain of loss that most of you, some of you guys understand, that have walked through, that have struggled through this. I, I don't. I want to. I want to be there for you. I want to comfort you. But for me to say I understand what you're going through is, is, a, is a lie. Straight out of my mouth. But here Jesus is fully man and, and fully God. Jesus weeps. Why? Because he understands the pain of Mary and Martha. He came to this earth to, to be tested the way we were tested, to experience the things we experienced, and yet he leaves this earth crucified, completely sinless and blameless. Jesus understood what Mary and Martha were feeling. He understood their pain. He understood their loss. He understood their doubt. He understood their feelings. He understood their anger. He understood their answers. He understood how they felt about the people and all the castle that was coming. He understood that they didn't like green bean castle, but yet Judy still had to bring green bean casserole because she thinks she need it. He understood their pain. So when Jesus weeps, why does he weep? Because he understands what they're going through. He feels the loss with them. He weeps from an understanding. He, we, we see Jesus' humanity in this moment. His humanness. The pain that he was feeling with Mary and Martha. It was the only thing he could do to express it was to weep. How did they express their pain? By saying, Jesus, why did you miss it? Jesus stands there and goes, I hurt with you. My heart beats for what you're breaking right now. But I want to give you a second reason that Jesus wept. Jesus wept because he was fully God. Jesus knew the outcome. And yet everywhere he went, whenever Lazarus was brought up, it was followed by death. It was followed by disbelief. It was followed by a lack of understanding. It was followed by people who didn't think Jesus could do what Jesus only can do. 
It says twice in this passage that Jesus was angry. His prayer communicates that Jesus was angry at people. Jesus is weeping from the lack of faith, from the lack of belief that he could do it. He's still God, knowing what's needed. But yet here his friends are in disbelief. Here's his crew of of teenage boys following him around in in what? Disbelief. It's too late, Jesus. What what are we even doing here? We're actually going to die if we go to this town because they just chased us out of town in chapter 10. If we go back, we're dead. So here, not only do his disciples think that they can't even make it into town because death waits them, they think it's useless because Lazarus is dead. What are we doing? And then he gets to town and Mary and Martha come at him like, Jesus, you're too late. If only you were here five days ago, four days ago, we'd be a lot better off. Jesus weeps because he was surrounded by crowds of people and none of them asked. None of them said, hey, hey, is it too late? They all just assumed. And yet this story ends with a miracle bigger than anyone even asked for. No one even asked for a miracle. They all just asked for somebody to blame. Did you catch that? Nobody saw Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, my arm hurts today. My shoulder's a little sore. My leg's getting a little wonky. Can you just pray over it real quick? Nobody comes up to Jesus and goes, Hey, Jesus, I know it's four days, and, and religiously we believe that, that his soul's already gone, but is it? before I ask the question, is it too late? Can you save him? Is that what you're here to do? Hey, can you heal Lazarus? Can you bring him back from the... Nobody asked the question. They all just cast out. And yet he gives them a miracle nobody asked for. What version of Jesus do you need right now? Do you need Jesus, the one who understands your pain? Are you in the middle of loss, misunderstandings, confusion, disappointment? You look around you at this body of believers that we call a family here at Hope Church, you're like, nobody understands what I'm going through. Well, guess what? There is a God who does. Who knows your pain. Who knows your loss. Who knows what you need in this moment. Or, Or... Or do you need the God who shows up in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your confusion, to say, I'm here. I got a miracle bigger than you could ever imagine. Because you you know it's the same God, right? It's the same God. Jesus didn't do a a curtain change and do a stunt double. He didn't have a miracle double and and a... human relations double. No, no, no. It's it's the same God. The same God who can stand beside you and weep with you in the middle of confusion, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of disappointment. Is the same God that says, ask of me. I'm here. 
I want to give you more than you can imagine. I want to do a miracle that you don't even think could happen. I want to move in ways that you don't even know I can move. That you're too scared to ask. Which version of Jesus do you need? I would like to say we all need both versions. Because I don't think any of us in this room have the gumption to ask big enough. But I know every one of us in this room has said, God, why did you let this happen? Why didn't you show up sooner? Why didn't you stop it? Why? 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 Worship team, come on down. Even though they get it wrong, even though they never ask, even though it all doesn't play out very well, he still did it. Isn't that incredible? Think about this story for a second. Nobody asked for the miracle. This isn't the story of Jesus weeping. This is the story of a miracle that nobody asked for. Nobody thought could happen, and he still shows up and does it. In the midst of his frustration and anger, it really shows how much of a loving God he is. Jesus was very angry. He showed up in his prayers. Who's prayed an angry prayer before? Amen. Yep, I'm guilty. He's so angry. He's like, I'm just talking out loud so these people understand. So they get it. I'm just praying out loud. I want them to get it. In the midst of his anger, in the midst of his weeping, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of the Christian attitude, Martha, in the, the angry Mary, in the Martha who says it can't be done. What are you rolling the stone back for? It smells. He still did what no one asked for. That no one expected. You see, that's that's the thing. God isn't going to stop for a stinky tomb. He isn't going to stop because I ain't got enough faith to even ask for it. And he isn't going to stop because my timing's not ready. I don't know, God, give me a little bit longer and I'll be ready. God, just give, just, I'm not ready yet. God, it's too late. The house is off the market. I've already lost it. The job is gone. The business is closed down. You, you can't do anything. Man, I don't know, when somebody tells me you can't do it, I just love to say, watch me. It's a bad attitude, I know. Um, but think about that for a second. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who understands your pain, who can weep with you, who knows the feelings that you're going through, even though you can't put words to it. There's a God who looks down and says, I, I feel for you, Zachary, right here. Same feeling. I got, I got you. Your heart is breaking. I know what it feels like. He looks down with love affection and care. He looks down and says, oh, yes. yes. He, he's not even going to ask for it. I'm about to do something to blow his mind. Isn't it incredible that we serve a God 
That doesn't stop for stinky tombs, lack of faith, our timing. You see, God will move. Now, I don't, I don't want to be a church full of Mary and Martha's or Thomas's who are ready to die and just jokingly say that. And at times, I, I, I can say, yeah, I've been to Mary and Martha. Jesus, why'd you take so long? Jesus, why, why, why'd you just show up? I want to be a church full of people like, look, I don't know what you're going to do, Jesus, but my words better not stop you. Here you go. There's my future. There's my plan. But you know what? There's the wrecking ball. Have at it. God isn't going to stop. I think I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. We do not have the power. You think you're that powerful enough that you can stop God from moving? for the miraculous. Use us in the supernatural. Use us with your Holy Spirit pieced together to change lives, to reach people, to do more than we could ever ask for. I'm not going to stop asking, but I will stop doubting. who understands my emotions, who understands my pain, who looks down and weeps with me. I want a relationship with a God who does more than I can ever ask or imagine. And I give my life to this. I give my life to this. Because it's God better than where I'm at right now. everybody just to bow their heads and close their eyes and if, if that's you in this room I'm not going to just know I'm going to acknowledge your hand when it goes up I don't want to embarrass you by saying anything but I believe that when something happens on the outside to signify what's happening on the inside it, it solidifies it, it makes it a moment it makes it a point in time where you can say this is where it happened, this is the sermon, this is what God spoke to me if that's you today I just want you to slip your hand up and back down and I'm watching, don't worry pray and celebrate with you. Jesus loves you and you'll never be the same. God, we go back into a time of worship and I would ask that you would have your way here. Would you just move in only ways you can move? God, as we come to our feet and lift our hands and raise our voices, Lord, we pray today that you would move in the supernatural, that your spirit would come and baptize us in this place, that we would leave on charge and on fire with you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to go back into